0: reservation whatsoever about holding him back another year (laughs) this is all news to me usually is so far this semester he has been absent nine times nine times nine times i don't remember him being sick nine times that's probably because he wasn't sick he was skipping school Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller.
1: This is Film Slub. Welcome to the show. So, today we're talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I have two guests with me today if you guys want to introduce yourselves in whatever order you feel comfortable with.
2: <laughs> My name is Jordan Garcia, and I am uh, one of the hosts of the Criterion Cult Film Podcast.
3: Um, and with me, as always. Oh, like our <laughs> intro. So. Yeah, Armando Aviza. Yeah, I don't know where you're going. I thought you were gonna keep going with that, <laughs> but no, no, you awkward. just stopped in your tracks. Uh, Armando Aviza here, yeah. as always. The of- film slot. <laughs> uh,
1: both of you, just tell me about a little about your show, what you do, how it came about.
2: Well, at first, we were doing a YouTube channel. Yeah, that's kind of where it really started. Um, room six six six, which is still available on YouTube, if you want to watch us do uh, <laughs> twenty-minute-long YouTube reviews of Gardens of the Galaxy, and um, yeah, and so we were going to do videos uh, called the Criterion Cult, where we were going to sort of. I kind of we we're gonna do this thing where we talk about a Criterion movie, and but then we just talk about a movie and compare it to the Criterion movie. Yeah, not necessarily like we're bringing it
3: to the Criterion. To,
2: yeah, try to bring it to the collection. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the pandemic came along, and we were just like, well, um, we should start do a podcast because we had to like zoom each other. Mm, you know, we were just like yeah. watching a movie and then talking mm. about it uh, over Zoom. And so stuff.
1: initially, you were doing it over Zoom. Yeah, mm.
2: yeah. We were just mm. getting the audio though. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. And so uh, from we are that, still just getting the audio. Well, no, I'm saying, but, but, From, but, we're, <laughs> but we're not recording on Zoom. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: Listen, I'm going to I'm gonna kick you out on, on that. <laughs> You're out of the, there's only one host now.
1: <laughs> you want to be here for <laughs> this, don't you? And, 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 then,
2: and then, yeah, we just, um, yeah, we just like, we thought of the concept of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? Because before there was uh, two other hosts um, that, yeah. you know, they're, they're no longer on the podcast. Um, but we we did a thing where just like, oh, it'd be cool to like do a thing where we each bring a film that we think belongs in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Um, And then we kind of argue or like see who would let it in, vote it in or out and stuff. So that's kind of the basis of the podcast and where it came from was just more so, uh, you know, which kind of what I think, you know, you're trying to do with your podcast is just talk about more uh, like different types of films and not just, uh, you know, the basic like Marvel and and things that are just like out there. Yeah. The Disney properties and stuff. Yeah. Which is mostly what like the podcasts and and youtubes and things are about like literally like yeah that's
3: what we're trying to do with the youtube channel too is trying not to what everyone talks about yeah
2: like do like a good mix yeah 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 and so that's where it um yeah and that's what we do on the podcast we usually just argue it out so like
1: generally what is your criteria for something that should be in the criterion collection
2: ooh well it always varies yeah um it depends it just depends on you know the the type of movie it is sometimes it could just be like a comedy where it just you know it, what matters is not necessarily the filmmaking but yeah you know what what how um funny it still is the relevance of it and things like that you know yeah. what I mean? so it always just depends
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, something we like, we talk about on this show is like uh cultural significance in a movie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way that probably the criterion channel or collection i should say um I think they value that like something that was like culturally relevant and something that was like historically relevant in a way mm-hmm. but also I think they have like lighter fare and um I was just wondering what what draws you to Criterion maybe like what's the first Criterion movie you've seen like that you saw
2: well um your one of your episodes uh, the the Royal Tenenbaums oh, okay was probably the first um Yeah, that was probably the first movie where I was aware of what Criterion like did. Yeah, when I kind of started looking into what it actually was, Uh I I didn't know what it was before. I thought it was just sort of like another you know MGM or something, you know, whatever Paramount or you know another movie studio or something. Yeah, but um, what draws me to it is mostly the fact that. It's uh, I don't know. It feels like the most prestigious one out of all the things that do that. You know, cause yeah. they're, they're obviously not the only one that restore films and, yeah. and do things like that. Like repackagers. You know? Yeah, there's like Arrow. There's a uh, you know, there's like Grindhouse. There's like uh there's like Shout some, Factory. Yeah, Shout Factory. Yeah, you know? Kino. There's, Kino yeah. Lorber. Lorber. Yeah, is it yeah. Lorber or Lorber?
1: One of those. Uh-huh. But you know, yeah, Kino. Yeah.
3: Kino. Yeah. Kino. <laughs>
2: And uh, yeah, so but but to me, you know, in this, you know, and, and not and not even that seriously, but to me, they just feel like the most like uh, well-known, prestigious, the ones that actually have like the bigger films, you yeah, know, the bigger catches, I guess, and, yeah. I mean, and a lot of more, you know, there are other ones that do actually find. It's,
3: well, they're kind of the first ones to be doing it too. So We're, I say I don't really know that. I mean, I feel I like yeah, right. Like I mean. I mean, as much
2: prestige, probably, yeah. because
3: yeah, they'd start on Laserdisc. Like, that was the whole thing, you know? That's true. a better format, you know? And to bring, uh, you know, all these, like, you know, foreign films that, like, you can't always see nowadays, you know? Especially, I guess, during the 90s and '90s and stuff, because there wasn't as many, like, uh, it was most, mostly about, cine- like, uh, multiplexes and showing new movies, not old films. Like, uh-huh. Where, like, in the 70s and 60s, they would have runs of, like... Older films and like re-show them and stuff, and you can go see that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know? I
1: mean, like I think all the way up into the eighties, nineties, films would just stay in the theater for just yeah, yeah, forever. <laughs> like yeah. you could watch like, a movie for a year,
3: like a year at a time, almost sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, what about you, Mondo? What was like the first Criterion Collection movie that you had or something? Uh... The
3: first one I ever got was uh, this is Spinal Tap. And <laughs> I had no idea what the Criterion Collection was. Like, yeah, I, even when I while I had it, I didn't realize what well, like what's Criterion like. I didn't get it, you know yeah and it was uh yeah because then spinal tap was an early spine number two it was just it was just like one of those stupid things like oh yeah i wanted this movie
1: yeah i think yeah. some people probably own criterion collection films and have no idea you know what i mean because yeah. like, i think all like most of wes anderson's films like come directly to the cartoon channel yeah like Pretty Life Aquatic much, yeah. was like uh collection <laughs> like
3: uh released right away on the criterion collection. life aquatic yeah. yeah i remember by then at yeah. the target the, yeah, <laughs> the criterion exactly. edition at target yeah so that one was like one of those big ones too. That like yeah, yeah. And probably my second one was probably a, uh, Royal Tannenbaums, Bombs too, because that was like I think probably like original release on that too. Yeah, I mean all the cool kids know Wes Anderson. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, all
2: the cool. kids.
1: I think so. I mean I think when we're talking about him in my Royal Tandem Bombs podcast, he's like maybe like the one one of those most recognizable like auteurs. I think it'd be really easy to pick out pick him out of a lineup. Um but yeah Criterion just has like this really instantly recognizable brand and I remember when my first job when I was 17 I worked across the street from Tower Records and they had a whole Criterion like setup or whatever and the first two I've ever picked up was Eight and a Half and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and that was strictly because of the cover like I had no idea I was just like really curious like this looks like the shit and I think maybe I heard about Eight and a Half from Ghost World Mm. that part and when he goes (laughs) into the video store he's like do you have Eight and a Half yeah he's like here it is in nine and a half weeks
4: (laughs)
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's also another reason why, like, because of the the artwork on the thing is like something that made me just want to watch the movies as well. Where yeah. That's not always the case when you see like a, a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever the case yeah. of a movie. You're just kind of like, oh, that just looks like a poster with like a big head on it. Yeah. We're like seeing the artwork for certain things. You're like, oh, well I don't, you know, especially back then when I first started discovering them, I was like, I have no idea what Fel- what a Fellini is. Yeah. But I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like this artwork for Omicord, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know oh yeah, I mean? that's beautiful. That artwork yeah. for that one is beautiful. So I'd like, I want to check that out. Yeah. I want to see what that's about. And I think, think
1: it's me? especially geared toward people who are like into physical media because it usually comes with a booklet or something and it feels like you're holding something substantial like it feels heavy it's, it
2: feels worth the money that you spend <laughs> yeah with. it really yeah. does and yeah. it's a lot yeah yeah the
3: uh, fear and loathing one was like a really cool one too because it had like the like art on like the plastic case of it and yeah it like, you know it, from the box it like like the, like what was it, the lettering and like stuff like was on the plastic yeah. part of it and then it was just the ralph stedman like drawing you know even though he did the like lettering or like title art, artwork too and like splatter i guess and, and, and
2: all the, um, the special features, you know, back then that's, you know, even as far as I can remember, I've always cared about that when I got a movie, you know, yeah. when I got a movie and it only had like the trailer or something as a special feature, I was like pretty upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see like all these special features in these movies where it's like actual... You know, uh, re- uh, retrospectives of the movies from mm-hmm. you know from them now at the time that they like restored the movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Just
3: the commentary was like always oh, the huge commentary. Thing, you
1: know? Deleted scenes, the essays that they come with. I really yeah. like that's especially one of my favorite parts about those collections um and i will like stupidly just like just buy like the blu-ray slash dvd like the multiple format versions just because like in my like stupid brain heavier is better no that that's
4: <laughs> yeah. those, are the, those are the best ones no, seriously yeah. those are the best i wish
2: that they did that for all of them like they used to you know what i mean yeah they used to just be able to you'd buy whatever and it come with the blu-ray and the dvd yeah now, now they don't do that and uh, you know and another reason why we started this podcast those Blu-rays are expensive. <laughs> and we're hoping that they sponsor us and send us free stuff. Yeah, we want to get
1: in the closet. Yeah, yeah, that would be fucking savage. you just go take everything off
2: the fucking shelves. I wouldn't even say anything to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking this yeah. closet. Just fill my bag and be like, all right, that's what I got. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> so you wanted to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, obviously, like, I'm curious why that movie, just first impressions, it was made the year before I was born. I think you guys are a couple years older than I am. So, I mean, you probably didn't see it when you were like two or whatever, but. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you have memories.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, we picked it because, well, first I was like, you know, what? let's be on brand mondo. Let's just pick like some foreign film, maybe, <laughs> maybe even a criterion film, something like that. You know, let's yeah. pick yeah. something that's going to be like, but, you know, we talk about kind of like serious subject matter a lot. And so we decided on something fun. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of, yeah, the main reason is that this is fun. But there is a lot to talk about with it. That's a thing, too. I don't think it's just like a, a fun movie. Just like, yeah, yeah, it was just fun to watch. So actually, I feel like there's there's a lot of things that go on in this movie that you can really dig into if you want to. Yeah, for but, sure. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, just my, my first impressions with it is just literally uh, just being, you know, I mean, come on. Were, were we all just John Hughes fans? We all like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. You? you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, even if you didn't know, you know yeah. what I mean? You were just always watching 16 Candles or Breakfast Club yeah. or like all those, you know, um, what's um, Home um, Pink Alone, Pink I think Pink. was a big one for me. Home yeah. Alone. There you go. See, that's, yeah. that's one that I always forget. Plane trains, See, I forget that Home Alone was him. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, that's another thing. That's the gateway. Yeah. That's what got me. Mm-hmm. And after Home Alone, I wanted to see, uh, I wanted to see like Home Alone, but he's got his day off from high school, <laughs> you know? And then I wanted to see kids in high school try to have sex, which there's none of that in here, but you know,
1: <laughs> were you consciously pursuing his movies after you saw home alone or is that a connection you me no, later on?
2: I, I don't think it was like, um, like I knew that that was like the same guy, you know yeah. what I mean? I just sort of knew that, that, um uh i don't know it just felt like the same style but not really right it feels like those 80s movies but it's not yeah like it doesn't it's not like some teen sex movie or it's not really like this but i don't know it just felt like a nice gateway into this but ferris bueller i mean come on who didn't want to be ferris bueller who didn't want to be matthew Broderick <laughs> at
3: that time? Yeah, in the 80s especially
2: <laughs> yeah well i mean i you know I, I, I don't even remember what how old i was when i saw it but i must have been like i don't know who
3: knows? I just remember it like I never knew the name of it for a long time when I saw it when I was a kid because it was always just like on randomly, like yeah. on HBO or Comedy Central or something like that. And I just remember it being the movie with the car in the gutter. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I never like I, it was like it, it took a long time for me to like uh, see it from beginning to end. You know, I always caught it like at the beginning and something or like. In the middle or something Like you know Never like from start to finish You know mm-hmm. And finally I was like What is that movie Like and I You know I just figured out somehow You know And it was I don't know It's that Ferris has always Kind of been one of my Favorite movies It's like one that you When you remember it Not it that you forget it you, But you're yeah. just like
4: Oh
2: I guess this is One of my favorite movies Yeah Even though it doesn't Automatically go on that list Because you You know <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but, you know, sometimes I try to be a little pretentious with lists like that. For and sure. You're, and you're just like, oh, man, I can't put Ferris Bueller on here. Yeah. Like, I got to put something that's like, you know, <laughs> I got to put something that makes me look like I watch movies. <laughs> yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. but, but uh, And
1: it's also one of those that, like, kind of loses its effect after time. You forget how good movies are after a while. Like, um, yeah. movies that I always, like, I don't know, like I'll reject to, to say that they're, like, amazing or something, like Pulp Fiction or Magnolia, which I think are two amazing movies. But over time, like, the longer I stay away from them, I forget how good they are. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, like, uh, those are all right. Like, I, I would never put them in, like my top three of those two directors. But I mean, like, obviously they're amazing. I just rewatched Magnolia last week and I was like, fuck, mm-hmm. heavy stuff. But I think Ferris Bueller is the same way. Watching it this week was the first time I hadn't seen it in probably a handful of years. And yeah, it's really fucking good. Um, especially the way it's photographed. It's Tak Fujimoto who did He did Badlands. He was uh, Jonathan Demme's uh, cinematographer. Mm. Um, I mean, he's just, like, he's done a lot of shit. He did, like, Sun into the Lambs and that, you know. So there's, like, a really intentional camera here. Um, My first impression of this is, like, you're right. Everyone wanted to be Ferris Bueller. And, it it, it, like, this was the birth (laughs) of, like, FOMO for me, like... For me, in my head, like, this is, like, what the fuck was happening when I was at school, you know what I mean? Like, those shots of the city, like, every time I saw L.A., the skyline, I was like, something, like, fucking cool is happening there. Like, I saw it in Ferris Bueller. Like, there's cool shit happening there. There's some kid, like, like going crazy out there.
2: Yeah, but would you have gone to a museum... stuff like that if you had the day off no not at that age yeah right (laughs) i would have like what i would have gone to a shaky's or something
3: what could i have done done, you know that's where rooney would have caught you at the shakies or at the mall i would have gone to the mall yeah all you can do is Uh, go to the mall yeah
1: smoke weed at the park and then like go to internet
3: or some shit yeah but (laughs) i mean i think it's since it's written by john hughes like he's like you know he has like a different perspective now where like you know like where you would have, like, yeah, obviously, like, Rooney thinks the kids are going to go to the pizza place or somewhere downtown. Yeah. But they're, like, up, like uptown, kind of, like, you know, where they're, like, experiencing these other things and can kind of, like, uh, reflect on life and what, like, yeah. this movie is kind of about. Like, you know, it's them mm-hmm. kind of, like, reflecting, like, a little bit, like, what's going to happen after high school or what are we going to do with their lives? Like, do we want to be these yuppies pretty much? Yeah. After, you know, is it, do we have to get married? I don't know that's like a big question I think too is like is marriage you know do we just do it because we're told to do that and that's what happens in life or uh-huh. do we decide to do something else you know
1: you're saying they, like you think that they're discussing that
3: in this movie a little bit yeah like well he does ask her to, yeah, uh, he yeah. asks her to marry her and then Cameron has a different like point of view where he says like I'll give you two reasons my mom and my dad yeah you know they're like awful together but they're still married and like he sees that and even Ferris sees that because he's like, oh, Karen living in that house like when he was a baby, like that must have been crazy. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's not his family, even though he's, Ferris says his family's kind of quirky or weird. But you don't really see that. They're just like maybe a little a, a little overbearing parents mm-hmm. and extremely stupid <laughs> and, and really, really terrible to their daughter <laughs> where they don't believe her. In anything, you know, like she's just yeah. like, they just write her off like completely. Yeah. And, you know? and
2: the father obviously doesn't know what his own son looks like uh, yeah. when he sees him
3: in <laughs> cars out in the streets. Hey, that b- disguise was spot on. The beret <laughs> and the if there's a
2: young guy running up the street next to your car, you're going to wonder
3: why. And there's no way you're just going to look at him and be like, hmm, he kind of looks He's like too my busy. son. Hmm. He's too busy being a yuppie. He's trying to close the deal. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't, no, want to beat, his, he doesn't want to beat a dead horse his
2: parents are fools yeah.
1: <laughs> do you find this movie to be relatable because I think there's like a lot of class stuff going on here I mean obviously Ferris Bueller' like really well off he has like a, a room full of like this technology he got a computer for Christmas and stuff like that yeah. and I know there's like a lot of discourse around like is this movie suited for today um yeah like do you, do you still find it relatable like do you find that alienating do you you know what is it saying to you now well, i've always been rich
3: so I, <laughs> don't, I don't find it alienating at all yeah no
2: i mean um well to me it's more so and you know obviously well, we can get into that point later not so much now but yeah to me it's obviously more so about cameron than it is about ferris and yeah so for sure i can relate to that more so than i can this rich kid who just gets to do whatever he wants you know yeah He's the devil. <laughs> That's my theory. That's what John Hughes wrote this movie about. All right. It's it's a, it's like this representation of like so Cameron represents all of us. Yeah. And you're struggling with the idea of the devil always on your shoulder telling you to do these things, which is Ferris. Yeah. And you have that that uh, the idea of God, who is his father, who's mm-hmm. just like. Keeps you under your thumb under this rule like and, and you're just sick and depressed about it, but you're sick and depressed about both things. Yeah, and then it's him. It's his journey. And I think that is why they do go to museums and things like that. It's for him for Cameron to sort of realize, like, oh, there is much more to life than just being scared of my father. And listening to this psychopath rich kid. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I, I could be my own person and follow my own things and, and my own journey. Well, you know Cameron's what I mean? Cameron's so rich as hell,
3: too. Yeah. But like, I
4: feel, but I feel like
2: Cameron might be more rich. But he doesn't yeah. act like it, though. He doesn't act like a spoiled, like, brat. Yeah. I mean, I think he just acts like more like a
1: like a regular teenager. Like, yeah. I think Cameron's, like, the regular teenager of right. this. Yeah. 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 Um I, I think this, there's been, like, this discussion that I've been hearing over and over again about... Uh, Ferris Bueller being the villain of this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you agree with that? Like you said he's the devil. Like do we just call him the villain or I mean I,
2: he... not devil in like the evil sense, yeah. but in that idea of like Satan. The the the, the person that's <laughs> telling you to do bad things. Not like this like evil like bad person yeah. that's like killing Satan people and doing evil? things. You know what I'm saying though. Like the idea of like this like fallen angel who, you know, takes a day off from heaven and he comes down to earth and he's trying <laughs> oh, to get you this mean guy. Lucifer. He's trying to get the, well yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 and and he's trying to get this one guy who he knows is like That was his like, angel name. Is like trapped in this other rule and is depressed by it, trying to get him to go, Hey, come follow me, come follow this. So I wouldn't say he's like a bad guy. Yeah. But he certainly is uh, I don't know like he certainly isn't like the person I'm rooting for because you know that nothing's going to happen to him like what's going to happen you know what I mean yeah like, he'll be fine yeah
1: there's zero know? stakes when it comes to the Ferris Bueller character yeah but
2: you're more mm-hmm. worried about like if Cam- Cameron's dad's gonna beat the shit out of him when he gets home yeah for like, sure. I'd rather see that No, I don't want to see that but I'm saying I'd rather I'd rather see the outcome of that than seeing Ferris yeah. Bueller run home like an idiot you know which yeah. but, but at the same time that's a fun scene so I'm not going to get mad at it. Yeah, that you know, like is a it, fun scene. It does kind of pick up the ending a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, because it starts to slow down once all that's wrapping up. Yeah. So, you know, it, it adds a nice little touch, but it would have been nice to just follow Cameron the whole time, you know, like to actually see for sure, like what happens to him. But that, that's why I, I think it's still relatable because yeah. people can really see that like themselves in Cameron more so than Ferris Bueller.
1: Yeah. Know? And I think uh, people are willing to indulge in the, in a, in the fantasy of like having... Are being a Ferris Bueller, you know? Right. And I think really this is this movie could be just like Cameron fantasizing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In a in a certain sense,
2: um, like him making this up just so he can, like that's how he like. All right, now yeah, I'm Yeah, he's gonna, still in bed. Yeah, sick. yeah. But he's just finally realized no, I got to like do something.
1: But yeah, I think Cameron's character is like closer to like truth. And if we had, if any of us had a friend like Ferris Bueller, I'm sure we'd like be all depressed as fuck. You know, nobody is that really like in, in inhib- in inhibited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys want to talk about like some scenes that really stand out for you in this movie? Um, either of you who want to go first?
2: I can go first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just to get into the sort of the thing that we're, that I was talking about, in that um, you have Ferris Bueller representing Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you have kind of. It's like Cameron's dad um, School Just authority in general Representing God Yeah Then you have Like for me Like Rooney Represents sort of like Priests and preachers And things like that Who try to Mm. um, Put the word of God on you But more so make it seem like If they're the gods If they're the ones That you need to listen to And blah 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 Yeah And so there's like this scene Where literally He's talking to his secretary and he's talking about the dangers of Ferris Bueller as if it's like Satan. Like, you know, he's got disciples. He says that, like, we we got a bunch of Ferris Bueller disciples out there. We can't let them reach these kids. Like, we can't let Satan, like, poison these kids' minds and then they're going to do whatever they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, like, scenes like that, like, that specific scene, just especially the way he said, I know that's just like kind of a funny thing to call him disciples, right? But yeah. I feel like there really is a reason why that's there, why he says that specifically.
0: You're referring you know? to
1: the scene where she says he's a righteous dude? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> what is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body.
3: Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed.
0: Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids,
3: dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
2: You know what I mean? Like, it's there, for, obviously, for comedic effect, and that's wording to, like, just be stupid, you know? But I feel like there really is a reason why he uses that word. Like, these are, like, disciples of Ferris Bueller, you know? Yeah. Because it's supposed to, like, I think, represent that. Like, and then also, you know, this is just a cherry on top of that. Rooney, what's his name? Jeffrey Jones? Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones? Yeah. Guess what he turned out to be? A pedophile. Oh, really? Yeah. They found a bunch of child porn on his computer. Oh, fuck. And guess what most priests... Uh, it turned out to be. <laughs> hmm. Kind of a crazy connection there. I don't know. Was John Hughes ahead of the curve? I
1: believe yeah. so. Some metal, some meta level shit here. That's fucking crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I feel here. bad for like being. I was sitting there today. I was like, he's really good in this. Nah, no, fuck that dude. No, yeah, he's yeah, he's awful no. in real life. No, he's good in this,
2: but he's awful yeah. in real life. Yeah. If you play Ferris Bueller backwards, it tells you the message. Then <laughs> you can see the message. But you know.
1: I think like Ellen Rook is really like the MVP of this movie. Like yeah. Cameron's mm-hmm. performance, it's it's like fucking solid. Yeah, well, there's
2: another scene, uh, a scene that, like, um, where he's seen, when they're in the, the museum, and he sees. You know, he's just staring at that painting, and he just it just zooms in on the like little girl. I think it's like a little girl, or a little yeah, boy. in the park, yeah, yeah, and just like holding the hand. Yeah, and he's the sort Monet. of looking at it, and he's getting very uh, oh, excuse me, the Monet, <laughs> <A> Lucifer, Monet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. Like, you yeah, know, yeah,
3: it's like that's like that's the whole thing with Cameron. He's like looking at everyone else, like causing like feels that causes his problems. His father, uh-huh. Ferris Bueller, like you know every like you know, and it's him looking starting to realize to look in on himself you know closer and like realize oh i gotta do something and i'm gonna make my my own way or path and like not listen to these people lucifer or his father right yeah Yeah, no yeah Yeah. but just yeah just in general just be my own person
2: and stand up for myself and then him just like seeing that you know because you could i mean you can interpret it any way that you kind of want to this is just sort of how i'm interpreting that you know but i feel like that is the the moment where he's just like oh yeah that's I can't be listening to this crazy guy and I can't be scared of my dad anymore even though he still has that and it isn't until obviously the catalyst of him uh, pushing the car out the window—that actually makes him be like, "Oh, yeah, you know what? I, I can take responsibility for this, yeah. you know." But uh, yeah,
3: I'm going to take responsibility for my actions, right. and stuff right? Like yeah, that.
2: and not blame these fake diseases, not yeah. blame you know my dad, not yeah. blame Ferris, not yeah. blame everyone.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: that kind of goes with the scene that I I was thinking about was when uh when Sloane is talking to him after like during the parade. And, like, you know, like, she's asking him, oh, what are you going to do after high school or whatever? Like, go to college? He's like, yeah, go to college, I guess, you know, like. Uh And then she asks him, oh, what are you, like, he's like, but for what? And he's like, oh, what are you interested in? And he's like, nothing, (laughs) you know.
0: (laughs) You know, as long as i have known him, everything works for him. There's nothing he can't handle. I can't handle anything. School, parents, the future. Ferris can do anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. College. Yeah. But to do what? What are you interested in?
4: Nothing. Me neither.
3: that's like i don't know i feel that's a lot of people i mean that's uh, that's me still like uh, what are you interested in nothing i mean yeah I'm, I'm interested in everything and nothing at the same time you know like where it's just like i don't know i guess maybe you still have to like look deep inside yourself to realize what you're interested in or what you really want to do and mm-hmm. like stop bullshitting yourself you know and he's still like at that moment still bullshitting himself obviously you know and like going to the museum and like realizing that are pushing the you know, kicking the car over like accidentally. You know, it's all that stuff like can mm-hmm. come to like a culmination of like, oh yeah, I really, really need to like, I and I can look at myself and do something about this. And it's not everyone else's problem; it's my problem. You know? Yeah. And stop making everyone's problem my problem too. You know? Like yeah. Also a style icon. Who Cam. Cameron?
2: Cameron. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't think a lot of people back then were wearing uh, hockey jerseys just like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like unless you were like a super crazy hockey fan, and then he's got those nice like loafers on yeah. uh, and his nice uh, khakis. Anyway,
1: yeah. No, I especially no, I especially like the outfit where he's wearing the suspenders with the green shirt and yeah. the pants. I, like he yeah. looks fucking great in that. That's scene. what I'm
2: saying. Everyone looks like that now. True. You know? Yeah. Like, everyone
1: literally looks like that. Yeah. I try, I, would, I try to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there's like a. There's a search for like uh, identifying yourself, and like Cameron is unable to speak for himself. Like he can't stand up for like toward, like against Ferris, he can't stand up against his father. And I think that's the painting is like he, it gets it keeps on zooming into this painting until it's just dots, you know. And like he's unable to like find himself, and I think it's because of his anxiety. His anxiety is what has like defined him through this whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we get the sense that like that Ferris is gonna be okay because he's like really talented actually you know like he, 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 uh, well, yeah well how
3: you're saying like it's a, about identity like Ferris Bueller's identity is so strong and like yeah like you know everybody knows him oh you know Ferris oh you know him like you know like it just you can't like you can't take that down because he like and that's and that's probably really hard for Cameron to be like how you're saying like oh yeah you'd be really depressed if Ferris Bueller was your your friend because he's just this <laughs> prominent like figure, like yeah. almost like a uh, God, like, you know, like in, especially in that town, you know, like, it's just like, yeah. How can you compare? Like, and it's like one of those things, like you can't compare yourselves to other people, you know, and that's yeah, going to kill you too, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that,
1: yeah, that's. But great. I don't think you can ignore that Paris treats Cameron like shit throughout this whole movie, like using yeah. him. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's Lucifer. Yeah. No. But like the fact that I don't think he's like egging him on. Like he's just straight up using him. Like he's using him yeah. to like get around town, basically. Like yeah. he's always yeah. using him for his own purposes. Like he, I don't think he really cares. Like he is obviously a, like a terrible friend, which I. I I think it's a funny thing that the movie doesn't quite wrap that up. You know what I mean? Like, sure, well, Cameron's going to make a stand against his father, but he never really, like, gets over this thing with Ferris.
3: But, I mean, because, I mean, yeah, Ferris sort the, of redeems himself a little bit. The music swell, like, at yeah. the end when, like, when uh, Cameron is realizing what he's going to, like, has to do and he's telling Ferris, and Ferris is just like, yep. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't have to deal with it. Exactly. You know? like, but even
2: before that, he does offer to, to take the blame. So that's, like, the little kind of, like, little arc that they give him. Yeah.
1: Like, you know what I mean? Like, like he was willing. Yeah, yeah. He probably would have been, like, never mind, that, yeah. <laughs>
2: Because usually, you know, I I wasn't, you know, first time I saw it, I wouldn't expect him to be, like, you know what? I'll take the blame. It really did feel like he was going to be, like, I'd put his hand on his back and be, like, damn, Cam, that sucks. See ya, you know? Because <laughs> that's the kind of person he kind of seems, you know, that he is. I mean, yeah. that even seems like that he is. He literally is. Well, and that's funny, too, because, you know, we talk about Cameron, but also the sister, you know, she represents, obviously, women in the church who are literally never listened to by anybody. Yeah. Uh-huh. You call, she calls the cops, no one listens to it. Like, you know what I mean? They think it's a
3: prank because she called like, the cops. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody listens to anything she says. Yeah, yeah. like movie. the witch at the, uh, the bonfire. It's just like, they're going to, like... Uh Yeah, they're gonna burn her at the stake. Yeah, like, uh, like, like you know, like false, like uh, false allegations or whatever. you know like what witches were like, you know, like accused of like just like whatever hearsay. You know, like don't believe her immediately.
1: Which is another aspect that didn't quite fall right for me with this viewing is that like she eventually buys into his bullshit at the end too, where she like helps him out. Well, that's (laughs) because she she realizes that she
2: (laughs) she realizes that she herself like Ferris Bueller is not the oppressor here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Ferris Bueller is not the one ignoring her. Is not the one who's like making her do all this stuff i mean he gets away with stuff but that's not his fault that she doesn't try to do the same thing yeah she has a car yeah you know what i mean yeah because i kind of get that idea that she's just like oh you know what like i'm not gonna get mad at you i'm gonna all these other yeah for sure you know i should i'm gonna do my own thing now it's sort of like the cameron thing you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be sneaky now and do my own stuff and you know whatever yeah
3: but yeah the thing with uh uh, jennifer gray's character she like you know she ditches school too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she's upset that Ferris is getting away with it. Yeah, she could have gotten away with it too if she didn't call the cops. like <laughs> she's like never in class. She's like just wandering the halls, like the uh the what the secretary's name is like, shouldn't you be in class or like whatever? She's like, Oh yeah, but like, you know, just writes it off. And she just leaves in her car, like you know, yeah. She's, she has a day off too. Like, or when they're at like, the ball game, and he's like, "Do you realize
1: we'd be in gym class right now?" She's like driving alongside yeah. the gate. Like,
3: what is she?
2: <laughs> like, she's just mad. Yeah, she's just wandering around
3: the place. And that's a good. um <laughs> It's like one of those things. Because she's too worried about what other people right. are doing and not
2: herself. And mean, when it comes to like anything, it's just like don't like don't be a hater on what everyone if everyone else's is, is success. Yeah. Or about yourself and. and do your own thing yeah that's literally what it is yeah because it's like stop hating on ferris bueller i mean he's not really doing anything to you you know i mean he's just getting away with not going to school you can literally drive off the campus anytime you want <laughs> apparently and so just did. do that yeah. <laughs> yeah so like and then she's like yeah um, you know unfortunately it's charlie sheen who lets her know that and finally makes her realize that like you know <laughs> but again you know another devil on your shoulder there's a lot of religious symbolism in charlie sheen's <laughs>
1: Did you um, have anything else that you want to talk about as far as scenes? Not
3: especially, I
1: guess. Um, I wanted to talk about, there's kind of like a magical realism happening here. Like, especially there's like a musical scene, like a part of the parade. Yeah. The, well, the, I, like, what do you, like, what do you think s- about that? Like, is that working for you? Um, is there anything like this thing? Like, is there a modern John Hughes right now? I, I know a lot of people like copy what he does, but I, I don't know if people are yeah, like doing I don't. Nec-
3: I don't think they like really, um, not that aspect. The way you're talking about where it's kind of like like none of this none of this seems impossible but it kind of does in a in a weird way especially in this world I guess now to yeah think, you know like when you're a kid seeing this this is like oh this is all this can happen this is going on you know like yeah. you're saying when you' like when you look at the city like oh yeah that's what's going on over there yeah right now. like yeah well, I'm missing out you know? <laughs> but like I this time around when I was watching it like uh I didn't realize how cartoony it is. Yeah. Like, you know, like, where it's just, like, really kind of slap, almost slapsticky at sometimes. you know? When uh, Rooney's looking through the peephole, like, in his eyes, just, like, kind of wandering around, <laughs> and then, like, just all the weird, like, um, what else, like, just, yeah, just the guys, like, who take the car for a joyride, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, like, the dog who just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> only when Rooney's yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. It's only, like, yeah, for, like, uh. For, like, uh, movie's sake, you know? Yeah.
1: There's but, also that scene where they're standing right behind uh, Ferris's dad outside of the restaurant. And, yeah, like, exactly. obviously, mm-hmm. they're, like, right behind him. Yeah. He's,
3: He's over, him. over him, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting because he kind of, he does it on a lot of his movies. I think most of his movies where there's just kind of a, uh, an element where you have to, like, suspend your disbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think this happens in Home Alone, too, with the guy who, like, shovels snow and stuff like that. Or, like, the fact that a kid couldn't like, booby trap his house. Right
2: Yeah yeah, Or just even that, Like a lot of things You know Like I mean And then most teenage movies Take place like In the hallway I mean there's never enough time For you to do all that stuff In between classes <laughs> And everyone's just always Leaving and doing stuff You know And I'm just like It wasn't that easy Just to like walk out And like just I mean it kind of became Sort of easy once you figure it out But yeah. You know what I mean It was. I, it just yeah. seems like, kind of weird That that always just happened. Yeah Like things are just happening In the hall Someone can just go to the class And be like Hey come out of class And like they just get up And walk out You know yeah,
3: this is the West Wing. Thing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I kind of love how
1: he only had like nine absences, and that was like supposed to be high. But it was only for that semester,
3: you know. Like yeah, it was like in a short period of time that he had those nine absences. Uh, I guess.
1: I mean, know? like this. I think this movie. Like I said, it kind of shook me and like made me feel I was missing out on things. I would ditch class a lot. And I think one
3: semester I had like thirty six
1: abs- absences in classes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this guy's pretty, he's doing all right. But um, it's also one of those movie things too. He's like, oh, I got a test. blah, blah. blah. Like, you know, like, did you really care about tests when you were in high school? I mean, I didn't. I didn't. You know. Yeah. I didn't yeah, study for that. I, I guess it never like
2: <laughs> tests wasn't anything that worried about. It was always like homework that worried me. That I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, I didn't do that homework. I yeah. never like cared about.
1: Yeah, tests. that shit was stressful. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> but in terms of like the. Like, what you're asking about the like a modern john hughes i was trying to think if there might be one but i don't think because most of his stuff is like it really does kind of um it's able to look at um what not necessarily high schoolers it's like that that in between right Uh it's more so when you're out of high school that's kind of how you are Mm -hmm. like in high school yeah you are like a horny little weirdo and like all
4: that
2: (laughs) stuff but but like not so much in like there isn't like the you know you're not always like scheming like to get laid and stuff you know what I mean it's just sort of like natural that you meet someone at a party and then it happens you know yeah. what I mean there's no like you're not like like climbing up ladders and looking in windows and stuff <laughs> like that you know like or like yeah all this weird stuff so, but but so but at the same time he, but when you do get out of high school you know you are kind of not doing that stuff you are you do. really scheming yeah. yeah you are start you do start to scheme. you do start to do think that way and and you know I I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing that's obviously a bad thing yeah but he captures. That kind of idea, especially, you know, on both sides, women and, you know, men like uh, or young, you know, men and women,
3: young uh, people, young people, <laughs> teens. Uh, cause, yeah, because they're not
2: teens, obviously. I mean, there's no way Judd Nelson was ever a teen, uh, you know, Emilio Estevez has well, never yeah, been well, a teen. Well,
3: Cameron is like 30 in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does he? His actual age is like he's 30. Oh, OK. I mean, yeah. In real life, like the actor's age. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying.
2: And that, so he, he I don't think there is anyone right now that, that captures that, you know, that can capture that kind of in between i mean maybe super bad a little bit kind of was that yeah but uh but not the same but not the same yeah it's yeah Yeah. well i just mean like john hughes in general you know what i mean like to catch that to kind of capture that vibe like there's because there's heart in super bad you know what i mean yeah it's not just some goofy ass comedy yeah
3: but that but they were scheming and i think he
1: i I think he talks about like embarrassment a lot and like falling embarrassment and how like treacherous it is to be a teenager and-, and like an
2: outsider in a way, and how and how any kind of teenager that you are really is, you are like an outsider. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, Even if you're like a popular kid, you're still like you know you're an outsider from. The outsider's perspective. You know what I mean? Like, you're mm-hmm. always not allowed in somewhere. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah.
1: And I, I think you feel that, like, uh, exponentially when you're a kid. Like, everything just seems exaggerated. Like, you just, I don't know. You have to be every place. And, like,
2: being a teenager
1: is fucking depressing. I think the closest thing that we get to this is, like, uh in modern filmmaking is probably Lady Bird. Yeah, yeah, I, think I can the, see that. Yeah, I think that's, like, pretty close because... Uh, just like of the honesty and like of when she like listens to Dave Matthews you know like that's like honest and like nobody wants to like admit to it or something. it's like this, like the silly shit that we did when we were in high school you know <laughs> the
3: silliest thing you ever did was listening to Dave
1: Matthews I mean like
3: that's like I don't know it's like <laughs> that's, funny. that's like
2: that's that's funny you're just like blasting Dave Matthews and your mom opens the door and you like turn it off like
0: it's bad <laughs> like if you <laughs> Like, uh, just do my homework. Just do my homework. <laughs> but it's like, yeah,
1: it's it's an impending shadow of being judged at like every angle. You know, yeah. I think yeah, you yeah. like feel that constantly when you're in high school. Um, speak. Well, this was in middle school, but um, I I watched this movie a lot in middle school. I was, your brother was actually there. steven was actually there, and we were in a science class together. And the teacher would constantly play this fucking movie. Like, she would not stop. It was this and Austin Powers, like, back and forth. We <laughs> in middle school. She wanted you to ditch school and get laid. <laughs> she came. I remember uh, after one summer, she came into class with a broken leg, and she had broken it in the, the pit for Limp Biscuit at, at Woodstock 99. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Damn, that's, that's crazy. I thought
2: you were going to say, like, trying to get tickets for the spy who shagged me or something. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: uh, well, I know at the end of your podcast, you um, you decide whether a movie should be in the Criterion Collection. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's have that discussion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, talk about why, and maybe if off the top of your head, like, if you have a pairing for this. If, I don't know if you thought about that, but, um, mm. yeah. hmm
3: mm. Didn't think of a pairing But yeah Because no, I think
1: this movie Is in like a special tradition Of movies Of movies that take place In one day and it, Oh yeah for sure And I think yeah. uh, I mean there's probably A few of those On the Criterion like, yeah, yeah Days and
3: Confuses Is one
2: Oh yeah,
1: definitely. Then, um, I
2: mean, to kind of be like lazy, you can pair it with Breakfast Club because that's another. Yeah, that's that's too lazy. Yeah, that's and that's a one-day a... film. Though, Do you
1: too. think this movie is better than Breakfast Club? Club? Oh yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: Breakfast Club is awful. Well, I think <laughs> yeah, okay.
2: I think this is more of um like a just a better structured, um, entertaining film. There's a lot of lulls in like a Breakfast Club and yeah. like um in Sixteen Candles and then you know there's a lot of horrible uh, racist tropes and <laughs> yeah, and just like a lot of like bad jokes. Yeah, here, I mean, here it's just like yeah. Sometimes you're watching, you're like, oh, like, do they really think that Alan Ruck just making some face like is gonna be funny, you know? But <laughs> he just does that a lot, you know, just showing him do like the Wall Street thing. Like yeah, he's doing the, and then do the hay batter batter, you know, it's just yeah. Like, hey. But I don't really need like big comedy moments because mm-hmm. it's just I'm fine with like the story and the characters. building. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's 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 more it feels like a more grown up John Hughes movie than those other ones. Yeah. Do, you know
1: what? What's interesting is what I read is that uh, there was like an impending writer strike while he was writing this movie. So he wrote the whole thing in a week. Mm-hmm. And I think like in some places mm-hmm. you can feel that. And it's kind mm-hmm. of amazing that he pulled off what he did in the end because it is a great movie. But. Yeah, those things Cameron does do, do feel kind of, like, thrown in there, you know? Yeah. uh uh-huh.
2: yeah. yeah, no, that is true. You can tell he—I mean, because he is such a, like, a—he a, a, probably writes so much that he just, like, was like, yeah, I'll just write Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, oh, yeah, for like, sure. Boom. Like, there it is, <laughs> you know? And especially because, again, Ferris really doesn't have any kind of arc. He is just yeah. that guy. Like Yeah. You know? I mean, he has that, li- again, that little one, but it's not really anything. Yeah.
1: So—
3: Oh well, yeah, it's it's the sister and uh, Cameron that right. are. Yeah, yeah,
1: I don't I don't see him as just like an actual character. I just see him as a manifestation of like you know des, like this desire uh, to be bigger, to right. be like mm-hmm. a scene, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's just
2: like the. Like, the spark for all the characters around him to do... Well, at least Cameron and his sister to, like, do something. Yeah. Like, to just get off their ass and stop complaining and be... Because he doesn't complain. He literally is always like, oh, like hey, I'm happy. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, like, the sun's shining. Let's ditch school. Let's, you know... Let's let's steal a car. Let's, go. let's get married. Let's take go and take a reservation at a restaurant.
1: <laughs> how is, like, I was like, how the fuck are they
2: paying for this? Like, <laughs> I mean, you they're know, rich. Yeah, yeah. But money. even then,
1: it's like, why the fuck does he have? A, he has like he has like a pile of cash in his pocket. You you
2: heard his dad. You know, you gotta you gotta invest. You gotta put it. You gotta. But well, he's just saying like words at that one. point. Yeah. Like, he's just telling him he's like, you gotta invest. He's like, if you don't go up with stocks, they're gonna go down. I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, just you like,
3: just yeah, like BS. yeah,
1: yeah. I think actually there is I think interesting comparison to how people turn out with like parental love, you know, because like parent, like mm-hmm. obviously Ferris's mm-hmm. parents are like very nurturing. They believe all his bullshit. It's like a, a a sort of unconditional love, and he turns out to be like a brilliant person who's yeah. like thriving, you know. So
3: why wouldn't like he believe that ev- other people were going to believe all his bullshit and stuff? Like yeah, that? And yeah, yeah for sure. As his parents are to him, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, when you're first introduced um, to Jeannie,
2: right? That's the sister's name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When when she first walks in, they like, the mom literally looks at her like, shut up.
0: What are you (laughs) doing in here? Like, he's sick, you idiot. Don't you see? Like, you're worthless. Get to school.
2: Like, it's such, and then, like, that's why you see she has that animosity towards everyone, why she's so, like, angry and so, because, like, she just gets that from everybody (laughs) around her. And, yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. It's just, and then Cameron, too, he obviously is dealing with a, a broken home. Yeah, You know, and so that's why he's all broken and messed up, you know? And then, you know, the girlfriend, um, she's really good in it, but unfortunately she doesn't really have much of anything to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: She has, like, such little to say that I don't even... She has, like,
2: an accent, right? She does. And And, uh, Mia Sarah is her name. I think she was just, like, what, a model or something? I don't know.
3: I think she was just... I don't know if she's, like, an actress-actress. Yeah, Yeah. because when she's talking to Rooney at that one point, she sounds like... She has like a weird English thing going mm-hmm. on, like yeah, a weird accent going. Yeah. On. yeah, I
1: think I probably didn't notice that until much later on. Yeah. Like that's how little she has to say in this movie, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, she's just sort of there to just be like the girl, for, yeah, like for Ferris to be like, yeah, this is the girl I like. Yeah, <laughs> and that, I mean, and obviously he doesn't even like her that much because. He's she's never met his parents because the dad didn't know that that was his son's girlfriend in the car next to him in that scene when they're, yeah. the, you know, yeah. like that. That was kind of weird for me. Where I'm just like, Well, how much you're gonna marry this girl? You haven't introduced <laughs> her to your dad, like, you know, that's that's crazy. I mean, I wouldn't marry someone that didn't know my dad, yeah, this impulsive you know? psychopath, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. And then she was like flirting with them. Who knows what kind of crazy relationship? Oh, yeah, he was looking in the glass. the <laughs> 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 dad's an idiot. Huh?
1: <laughs> So, what do you think? Is it in? Is it out?
2: I I think it, I mean, like, I was, that's why I said it it feels like his more mature film because I think that's why it belongs in there. I don't want to see 16 Candles. I don't want to see all those movies, even though, you know, they're fine, whatever. But Ferris Bueller is, I think, like, his crown jewel. If I was going to say what his best film was, it'd probably be this for me. And he
3: only directed a few of his movies, right? Like, it was... He wrote a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, he wrote mostly, mostly, right? But, like, he only directed a few of these, Mm -hmm. like, uh directed this one obviously and mm-hmm. then uh, I think Curly Sue and which they do Breakfast Club or he Sixteen Candles or did you he do both yeah yeah I guess so but yeah this is just one of those movies that where like it's yeah it's beautiful to look at and it's like you know like I really do think it has a message of like like, you know, of what was going on at the, at the time, like, you know, this yuppie culture of just, like, being, like, you know, like, wanting everything, you know, and, mm-hmm. like, trying to obtain everything and, like, all that kind of stuff. And not it was at the me, the me time or whatever, I forget what it was called, like, you know, what? like, where like everyone, like, is trying to be an individual, like, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and it's really, and it's focused on that because Cameron and Jeannie aren't, like, are, are struggling with that mm-hmm. and be, being individuals and, like, and and Ferris is such an individual that it's hard to, like, escape his shadow you know yeah. that he casts over everyone and they finally like kind of get out of that and realize that it's that yeah it's more about myself than anyone else you know yeah and that's that, that's one of the reasons why i think it's such a good film and it should be in the collection like why like a criterion should pre- preserve it for sure you know mm-hmm. and, yeah and I, mean, I don't it, it, think people really look at it that way i mean there probably are some people but not everywhere. There would be, like, a lot of good essays, like, you know, real film critics, you know, not mm-hmm. us, I guess, you know, yeah. talking about it and, like, really, like, explaining, like, you know, the the cultural significance of Ferris Bueller. And right. Probably,
2: like, or, or, and also really getting into more so, like, because, you know, you, we, you did kind of mention the cinematography and stuff, but we didn't really get into, yeah. like, that because it's something that is so good that you don't notice it you know yeah. what i mean yeah you're yeah, just yeah, yeah, like you're right. just going with the movie that you're not really yeah. like noticing the shots that they're using cuz mm-hmm. you're just so
3: like everything around it is fine is good cuz it just you flows know? so well yeah, like, like it flows it's so like well. yeah it just yeah. doesn't like nothing feels like a awkward or anything right. like, you know, like where like no where cuts you or no, yeah, yeah. no angles
2: that feel out of place. There's mm-hmm. nothing like, you know, you, you, the point of view of him, like sleep, you know, him being on the bed, seeing mm-hmm. his parents, you know, yeah. Like, cool things like that, that he didn't need to do that. He did. Or just the and whole thing
3: him talking to the camera, like, you yeah. know, the breaking the fourth That's wall. That's another thing. Or yeah. It's, this is like one of, this is like
1: one
2: of the first. Right? Like, we thinking, I mean, come I on, talking. we all talk to ourselves. And that's yeah. like him just talking to himself. You know, sometimes I'd look into so, the wall and just say things. So. <laughs> yeah, and have like these bullet points on
3: the yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, that like, I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of the first ones to do it a little differently than everyone else. Because we were watching the, uh, the Siskel and Ebert review of Ferris Bueller. Yeah. And... Uh, they talk about Woody Allen doing that and stuff, you know, like talking to the camera. Oh, okay. Like yeah. Having like this, a monologue with the audience, you know, and uh-huh. addressing them, you know, pers- like personally. And yeah, I think John Hughes just did that a lot more fun and like, you know, like with more charisma sort of like, you know, cause Ferris Bueller is just like such a, you know, like, yeah, when you see, it, when you see it, you want to be Ferris, you know, and just like him explaining stuff and the, what was the thing with uh, Siskel Had a problem with him. He doesn't really say anything profound to the camera when he addresses them, and it's like it does. It's not really about that. He doesn't have to say like anything profound. Like you yeah, know, like the only thing really is like that. He's like, you know, just stop and like, uh, like enjoy like life, you know, because it can go by too fast. Uh, you know, I get the idea. He's
1: kind of charming the audience because yeah, he's like. I'm gonna let you in on the truth because he he lies to his like his friends, but then mm-hmm. he'll turn to the camera yeah, and like say you know what he's really thinking,
3: on. or like when he's lying. To, yeah, he just lied to his parents, and you know he's lying, but yeah, and he, but he he'll tell you. you know. Yeah, and then yeah. he
1: looks at the camera like, yeah, I wouldn't lie to you. Yeah. Like you love me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's part of his charm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> no. how
2: the
3: devil gets
1: you. <laughs> that's <laughs> how Satan will get you. <laughs> I
2: did it, <laughs> but there is
1: some really great cinematography in here, and I think two of the biggest scenes are um, when they're standing on top of the Sears Tower, mm-hmm. and oh, what yeah. I was kind of noticing the way that. it it's shot and set up. It's like it's set up so that you're feeling something different from like each of the characters, like how they feel about being like high up in, mm. in a building. You know, yeah. Uh, like obviously, like Ferris is looking down at the city, like he wants to conquer it. Uh, Sloane is all like, oh, how, how peaceful it is, and like honestly, like Cameron's looking and he's just like he sees his dad. Yeah, looking, and yeah, he's yeah. anxious as fuck.
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, lean forward against the glass like this. Oh, god. oh.
4: oh my god!
0: Isn't that great?
4: The city looks so peaceful from up
0: here. Anything is peaceful from 1353 feet. I think I see my dad. We got a lot to do. Let's
2: go. Shit. Son of a bitch is down there somewhere.
1: But if you if you like kind of take that scene apart, you can see how they framed it in such a way so you get all three of these emotions from like a single scene. And I, I think that probably the most f- famous scene for its cinematography is the one when they're in the museum. and Oh, yeah, yeah, when well,
3: they're, all, they're looking at all the paintings. Like, yeah, yeah,
1: and that's what I like in this movie, Um, which I think might be a little different from, like, a teen movie. I, I guess you can call this a teen movie. Is that they, they take the time and they actually show you the art pieces. Yeah. And how beautiful it is and there is a level of uh, of detail and patience in some of the scenes. Like uh, when Ben Stein's in the class, that scene where it shows like all these students and Ben Stein talking in the background, Mm -hmm. like that one, that scene goes on for a while. Like they let you sit with that for a while. Just give you the idea of like how bored these kids are. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's like,
2: yeah, that, significant. that's a good way to uh, put it. Like, this film, I think that's another reason why it belongs in the collection because it's a little more patient than his other films. Yeah. Like, it literally takes its time to do these things. It's not just like run and gun. Like, you know, it, like it, like you said, we, he doesn't do what, what a normal teenager would have done yeah. on their day off. You know, like they would have showed, like in, an, in a lesser movie, yeah. they would have showed him, like, Try to, like, break into the the baseball stadium. Do all these, like, wacky antics to get in there and be chased around and do all this stuff, you know? Like, try yeah. to buy a beer or something, you know? Yeah. Or get someone to get them a beer. It would just been, like, too much. And that one's just, like, a very normal... Simple. That's what how people act. You yeah, know? like he just they went to a baseball game and they're just having a good time. You know.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it expects you just to go along with it, which is I think kind of great, and it works out. Like they like realistically, I think that they do like a week's worth of activities before three three p.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can do all that. Like, yeah. I've been to Chicago and I've done all that, and it had to be like four days. Right? You
2: know, to like to go to that that building to go to the museums. I went to the zoo. I went to yeah, a, a, a baseball game. It's yeah. like what that's like a whole day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's a movie, and again, it takes place in this weird uh, purgatory in Cameron's head, (laughs) where he's trying to figure out if he goes to God or the devil, (laughs) so nothing's real,
1: it's all fake Well, there it is, do you have any last thoughts?
2: Um, my, yeah, my trouser snake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that down, huh?
3: I did write that down because <laughs> it was like weir- really weird that she called her brother that. It's like too like uh, what? that's kind of disgusting. Trouser snake? <laughs> I mean, it just means dick. Yeah, yeah know, he's but just still, a dick. Yeah. Just the no, I get you. The, those words together just like make it a little more like uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, a lot. <laughs> feelings towards Paris like you know, this weird like you know incest thing going on. <laughs> But you know, well,
2: there is a lot of hints towards that. You know, is there the Sloan kind of making out with Ferris and thinking that that's how the family rolls? Oh
3: yeah, oh yeah. That he disregards
2: that that so easily is kind of strange.
3: Yeah, yeah. So
2: that's how it is in that family. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Well, my final thoughts and my final argument for this movie to be in the Criterion Collection, even though that's not what this podcast is about. No, let's do it. Is it spawned? Probably one of the, if not the, well, I guess there's no doubt, but one of the greatest uh, pop ska bands in history. Safe <laughs> Ferris. <laughs> and if we can't get them on the Criterion Collection commentary, then I don't see the reason why. Why would we even do it? You know what I mean? A That's, whole commentary just with Safe Ferris? Yeah, like they explain like why they took their name from there. <laughs> and just like, maybe them. Well, there was the billboard, and that was we saw that. Yeah, and, uh, that looks cool. And then boom, that's it. Then we get an essay, we get good stuff. But no, but Ferris Bueller, I think, needs to be looked at in a different light. I feel like a lot of people they do like it, but yeah. they don't. They don't see it as as fun as all those other things. Yeah, you know, as all those other films, like even Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, everyone loves, and that one's kind of it takes its time as well. That one, for like sure. A, you know, that yeah, one that one's a really, pretty
1: slow movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's and a good. lot of
2: people love that one. Yeah, but. I feel like a lot of people do like Ferris, but they're mo- they're more so gonna lean towards like um sixteen candles and all that. No, lean towards Ferris. Take a day off and that other stuff <laughs> yeah. and come with Ferris, vote Ferris, save Ferris. <laughs> and uh yeah, because it's uh it's more
3: it's it's (laughs) just it's it's it's
2: it's, there's more to it than what people think you know yeah and and i feel like a lot of people don't realize that yeah Yeah. because
3: i think we've gone over a few of them
1: hopefully people listen to us and like gets at least one of those things out of it you know what i mean yeah i think it's like pretty obvious when you watch it um I think people like it because of the gags, like I can, that Bueller
3: and Bueller part, like, I don't know, people do that like all the time. Why I liked it when I I was a kid, just the red car, you know, like you remember that falling over into the ditch, you know, like, it's just one of those things. And like how you were saying earlier when you, like you hadn't seen in a long time and you kind of just like, yeah, I like it, but I wouldn't say it was one of my favorites, you know. But yeah, like looking at it again and really like kind of like examining and like really paying attention to it. Like you realize that there is a lot more going on than just it being a day off, you know, like yeah. it's like all this. And I don't know, it has one of the best title. This is probably one of the best movie, movie titles, I think, you know, it just like rolls off the tongue like Ferris Bueller's Day, day Off. Yeah, you know, I
1: think like a couple of like, like the two things that I noticed that stuck out to me the most and why it's probably like my... Top three John Hughes. Now that I think about it, is one I, I really like the soundtrack. He's using like deep cuts in this movie, you know. Like I don't really hear a lot of these um bow bow. Yeah, bow. I mean I think that this movie popularized that. You know, yeah. um, I mean that's not one of my favorites. <laughs>
4: no, that's, I actually it's one of the most cut.
1: popular. <laughs> I really I really like uh, the 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 big city song when like they're first showing Chicago. Yeah.
3: that? Do you know? Um, <laughs> fuck because <laughs> that that song stood out to me like, well the whole thing I think it's kind of no, something Jonathan Demi might
1: have used I think, in one of his oh yeah you know? I think it's like flower pot men or something like that right. the
2: whole thing was scored by the do bow bow guys <laughs> <laughs> the do 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 bow bow they scored they did every song yeah. so <laughs> but yeah it has uh,
1: it has some pretty deep cuts and then like of course Ellen Ruck I mean his performance is really great I, uh, one thing that comes to mind is um, when he's sitting in his car just like fucking hitting that oh yeah but, pure physical comedy and then he gets out and is still like in the car you just see him through the back window and he like comes back and just fucking
2: flips out
3: (laughs) 20 bucks as he's sitting in his car debating about whether or not he should go out
0: he'll keep calling me he'll keep calling me until I come over he'll make me feel guilty this is uh, is ridiculous okay I'll go I'll go I'll go I'll go I'll go I'll go shit
1: To me, I think that's one of the, like, the funniest things in this movie.
2: Yeah, the Ruckman's the MVP on this. Again, yeah. because it's about him. It's about <laughs> his struggle with faith. Look into it, people. Well, there's probably a Reddit thread about this somewhere. I'm not making this up. <laughs> Did you start it?
1: Yeah, ty- type in devil god Ferris Bueller. Or something. Something's bound to come up. Yeah, just make sure you do
2: it on the dark web. You don't want the FBI, CIA senior looking yeah. that stuff up.
1: Um, so you guys can go ahead and uh. where can we find you? Where can we find your show? Where can we find your Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that?
2: Um, if you want to follow me individually, you can follow me at Young Jane Fonda on Instagram. Um, and also, if you uh, to follow the pod, you can follow us at Criterion Cult Pod on Instagram, or is it just Criterion Cult? I don't
3: remember.
4: Criterion Cult Pod, <laughs> try both. Oh, on,
3: on, on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And then on Twitter, Twitter it's, it's Criterion yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, it's all right. We're I mean, I forgot, so you. I'm not. You know, I, mm. we we both forget. Yeah. It happens. You gotta write it down. I think. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah.
2: yeah, so please follow us. And if you want to listen to our episodes, if you're interested in that, you can listen to them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.
3: And iHeartRadio.
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah, oh,
4: oh, sick. I think I don't know. <laughs> oh. And also, if um,
2: we got any we got any letterbox people out there, look me up. I'm Jordan Garcia. Uh, just yeah, just my name. So I'll be on there and follow me and I'm gonna get back into that. Mondo, yeah. where can we uh where can we where can these
3: people stalk you? I'm at a uh, save underscore mondo. Huh? Get it? Everywhere. Yeah, pretty much.
2: Oh, <laughs> save Mondo, save Ferris. You're a big Scott fan. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah well
1: thanks for coming on
2: to the show guys yeah, i really appreciate us. it no yeah we really really appreciate you having, oh, no, having us. me actually and you're-, <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna and um we're gonna have you on as a guest also so get ready to have a pick yeah the collection um, i can't wait mono yeah. probably won't be on mm-hmm. it anymore He's, he'll be fired when <laughs> <laughs> <I have time.
0: laughs>
2: but yeah thanks a lot we appreciate it for
1: mm-hmm. sure we'll see you next time
0: I, I, I really don't know, sir. I mean, I, I, I didn't think I was talking to you. I, I thought I was talking to somebody else. You know, sir, that I would never deliberately insult you like that. I I, I can't begin to tell you how embarrassed I am. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole.
1: And that was our conversation about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Thanks for listening. The voice of you here today was Sierra Gonzalez, that's me. And I was talking to Mondo and Jordan from the Criterion Cult Podcast. That was so much fun. So grateful for those guys for being here. You can follow us on Instagram at FilmSlobbery. That's F-I-L-M-S-L-O-B-B-E-R-Y. Thanks for listening. Next week I think we're talking about Magnolia. That should be fun. And sad. Fun, and sad. Music you're listening to now it was written and recorded by Randy Flores. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.